You are listening to the Mythmaker Podcast Network. I'll tell you what my rituals are. Having dinner with Jean. Uh, visiting my friends. Realizing what you're doing when you're doing that. So that it isn't just a, a numb thing that you're up to. A ritual is a, a discipline for uniting your mind with what you're doing. And what you're doing is mysterious. Two people sitting on a veranda having dinner with the sunset. What more do you want in the way of a ritual? This is it. Or if you're uh, doing athletics, that is a ritual. I remember one year, I, years and years and years ago, I joined, uh, in those days it was judo, the, the Japanese uh, wrestling, throwing people around, a judo club in downtown New York. I was stunned. I walk in, the first thing you have to do is kowtow to the mat. Hmm? Correct? Hanging over the wall is a kakamono with some of these things that Al does on it. And, uh, and uh, what it said when it was translated to me was, minimal means, maximal effect. So I had been in athletics all my youth, but I had never had a spiritual dimension brought into it. Never. And uh, here, everything that we were doing, and then here I'm sitting, and uh, one of the black belts comes up and bows and challenges me, and I get up and get thrown around. <laughs> the, uh, and, and that itself, it, it's ritual, and, and the way they do it lets you know this is ritual, this is an event that means more than meets the eye. Yeah. Here are two men doing something, two and four, each other. I've helped a, uh, a, a lama to write his biography, his autobiography, and he was a tulku. And he was uh, inducted into the monastery when he was three years old. And his whole life was a life that uh, he didn't choose. It was put upon him. But every single act of that whole life was ritual. It was a ritual that was put upon him. And it was a ritual that was uh, relevant to the life that had been put upon him. The thing that's important is not the ritual, but the life that's being lived, so that the, the ritual can help you to endure it, to understand what it is, to take joy in it and rapture in it. I mean, there's one party after another in these, uh, these Lama series, uh, and everything that was done was done in a ritualized way, no matter what it was. And so, when one's alone, I mean, I'm alone most of the time because I'm sitting there at a desk writing. I make a little ritual of it, the, uh, where I keep my things, where I take them out, what I take out, I put them on the table, and then uh, sit down and get going. And that helps to put the mind in the state, which is the place it was in last time you, you did that. Do you see what I mean? So you get right into the beam and, and go along. Well, whatever you're doing, house cleaning, shaving every morning, that for me is a ritual. I do it exactly the same way, and I'm going to be quite good at it. After <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I like it. You know, when you, when you do that kind of thing, uh, you, you bring the life into it. And, and uh, that's about all the ritual is for, just to keep your, your whole mind in touch with what you are doing. Folklore is uh, the tradition of a people that is oral rather than scriptural. 
and it includes uh, their stories that they tell, but it also includes the uh, customs that they have. When you study folklore, you're studying not only stories that are told, but the, the life customs of, of people. And it will go all the way from their great mythological, basic religious ideas to forms of entertainment, jokes that are told, children's games, what goes on, that's folklore. A ritual is a solemn enactment of a myth. Uh, in, I mean, the great rituals, for instance, the holy sacrifice at the Mass in the Roman Catholic Church. That's the enactment of the crucifixion on Mount Calvary, reenacted. Uh, the ritual uh, is usually a structuring form for a culture. Now, we're using the word ritual in a, in a slightly different sense, but not altogether different at all. Uh, how can the individual structure his life in such a way that it will have for him uh, the same kind of significance that a society finds in its life through its rituals. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, a festival, a celebration, uh, there are two kinds of festivals. There's the festival that's occasional. You know, we've won the football game, so we're having a feast uh, and a celebration. But there's another kind of festival, and that is the one which annually returns, where tomorrow's Good Friday and, and Easter. This puts the, um, the, the church calendar in touch with the cycle of the year and the idea of death going into the underworld and coming up again. This is a spring ritual. It's the same date, actually, as the resurrection of Adonis in the classical tradition. Uh, May Day comes along as uh, also celebrating spring. These are rituals to celebrate the joy of uh, new life and also the mystery of death and darkness and thinking of those who were with us before, you know? So a folklore would it might include local folk rituals, but it includes much more than that. Rituals have to do with the uh, giving dignity and form and structure to the uh, significant acts of a life. It can be of an individual life, it can be of the social life of the society. Uh, I'm living now in a, in a condominium in, in Hawaii, and everybody in it is about our age, you know, it's, it's a sort of a senior citizen situation. And it's so lovely to see uh, married people, all of them are marriages that have survived the storms of a lifetime. And uh, I noticed that each couple, in its own way, has some little ritual practice. Uh, those that I, I, I know now, um, there's one couple gets up about 5.30 every morning and they go out for a walk along the water and I see them coming back just about the time uh, we're getting up and then they uh, have something else they do another part of the day. You can do other things but these little ritual things are uh, what structure uh, this time of their life. And they're things that mean something to them and, uh, and, 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 and hold the life together. You know, people, when they get married, very often just take it for granted. Well, we're married, I hooked him, and I got him. But they, uh, they, they, you haven't. I mean, this, it has to be a love affair all, all along. Uh, you have to do things uh, to indicate the relationship. Uh, cooking a meal for the husband is an act integrating the relationship. The husband earning money for the house, that's an act 
integrating the relationship. What one is working for is, is the relationship. Now, a lot of marriages, and I've noticed this with some shock, um, uh, they're held together only by the children. And as soon as the children graduate, the couple goes apart. I've had, a, just in the past two years, three examples of this. People I would have, I'm stunned when I hear, oh, we, 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 we've gone apart now. Um, so they never had a ritual of linkage except the one of bringing up a family. And when that was finished, then they didn't know what was holding them together. The ritual is an integrating agent. Now, sitting down to write, I remember I mentioned John Steinbeck. I knew him when he was a young writer, and he was, he's a, he was a, a very dedicated and, and stern writer with himself. And I know he had certain hours of the day when he would sit down to write, and he'd start by writing a little prayer to himself. Four or five lines. Not to himself, but to the muse that was going to move him that day. Painters have an easy time. All they have to do is clean brushes and clean and all that kind of thing. Gives them a lot to do. Uh, and that puts the mind in, in relation to, to the operation. A writer has to do something else. Because, I mean, when you get your pencil shot, and what the hell else is there? Just a blank piece of paper. <laughs> I've got now so I can write anywhere, anytime, as long or short as uh, I'm allowed to. I don't know when that happened, but uh, it made a big difference. Well, I noticed to get over to another order of life, my CPA, my <laughs> certified public accountant, when it comes to work on my taxes, uh, he has a, a ritual also. He brings, his, he brings his bag of stuff with him and has certain ways of laying it out and getting everything set up. I think one, one has to do that when one is, uh, has a, a track that one's on. And uh, I'd be interested in knowing what kinds of uh, rituals people, people have in their lives. It's, uh, but this is the ritual. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? What you're doing is the ground out of which the ritual must develop. So that you can do it with competence and um, knowledge of what it is you're up to. Now, the uh, effect of, a, of an effective ritual on people can be pretty strong. I think uh, one of the men in recent times who really knew how to pull off a ritual was Hitler. I have a, a, a Dutch friend who was at concentration camp, and uh, the people in the camp had to come and be present for one of Hitler's uh, uh, lectures or speeches, I guess we call them, as a politician. And uh, he said there were times when he had all he could do to keep his hand from going up and saying hello. And I, I remember hearing uh, some of Hitler over the, um, over the radio, and I, I tell you that it was, it was terrific. And uh, behind him were all these great panels that were hung, you know, medieval elements, uh, giving a sense of, of, of power and authority and importance, and his eloquence was uh, phenomenal. So ritual can be used, you see, to control people, to pull them out of themselves, to loop them into something that's going. Uh, there's the grace of, uh, that's usually recited in the West, thanking God for giving you this food. There is a, uh, a religion with a monotheistic idea of a, of a deity 
who is furnishing you the benefits of your life, and you are not thanking the animals. Uh, that's, that's one kind of grace. Another is that of uh, primitive hunting people, who thank the animal for having given itself as a, as a willing victim to be consumed and to uh, nourish the human community. There are two graces there. Now, I was for a number of years associated with a group of Hindus, and they, before a uh, meal, would recite a verse from the Bhagavad Gita. Om Brahma, Panam Brahma, Habib Brahma, No Brahmana, Tam Brahma, Eva Tena Gantai, Vam Brahma, Karma, Samadhina. Well, what that says is, Brahman, you know what Brahman is. Brahman is the energy of the universe. The energy of the universe informs all things. So, <clears throat> that which you are about to eat, that's the sacrifice. Brahman is the sacrifice. You are the eater of the sacrifice. Brahman is the fire that burns the sacrifice. There is a fork that carries the food from the plates to yourself. That is the ladle of the sacrifice. Brahman is the ladle of the sacrifice. The life of consuming another is the life process. And Brahman, the one life, is in all things, in the consumed, in the consumer, in the act that brings it, in the fire that, uh, that uh, burns it. And then the last part is, he who can see Brahman in all things is on the way to realizing Brahman in himself. That's a beautiful grace before meals. And uh, you see three totally different philosophies here. Uh, one is that of, uh, on the earth, the relationship to your companion, the animal, and uh, back and forth there without any uh, outside uh, entity. Then you have the idea of a deity who is the one who is the cause of all things, the Alpha and Omega, and has, has furnished you this. And the other, the trans-theological idea of a burning energy and process, a transcendent, which is operating in all things. And when you recite that, you are in meditation throughout your meal, you know. Just, that's a ritual. But to see what it does, it gives a whole meaning to life. Um, death is funny. And uh, in, the, in uh, Tibet and in uh, the medieval uh, meditations, death is a clown. Uh, and the clown is a death figure. And um, the, the reaction to this is uh, either you, you, you treat it reverently, you know, and, and face the mystery, or the mystery is such that you defend yourself against it by the laughter response. It, it, uh, the, the, the dead is no longer someone who invokes the, the human in you. It, it, it's comic. It's, it's very strange. Skeleton dances. Halloween. Now what is Halloween? Halloween is the return of the dead. And the dead are going to return in the children. And so the children come as the enactors of the role of the, the dead. Those are the kids. That's what it is. It's a, it's a Celtic festival, Halloween. And it comes just at that season of the year when you're going into the death of the year. And then the church picked it up, and the next is All Souls, All Saints' Days. But Halloween means the evening of the holy day. And on that evening, the spooks come. This is the threshold of going into night. And they're amusing. 
Death has no sting. If you uh, are linked to what is eternal, death has no sting. And if you can link yourself in your own mind to the consciousness that is the, your participation in the eternal and that's what you really are, there's no death. The death is simply of the body that was the vehicle of this which you are. And that's the truth. I mean, I'm not talking romantically. This is a fact. What each of us is, is a bubble in this immortality which is of life and consciousness. The two great initiations are one uh, to the underworld and the realm of the ancestors, and the other to the light and the realm of consciousness. And those are the two things that are functioning in our lives. The immortal consciousness and the life that keeps bubbling up, no end to it. Not always in the form of human beings, but it's everywhere. I saw a um, microfilm, or whatever you call it, uh, a movie made with um, a microscopic uh, lens of just protoplasm. And uh, <laughs> to see the flow and life of this substance, which is the substance of all of our lives and of everything, uh, you just realize this has life and this has consciousness. And energy and consciousness are the same thing. And it, it's, a, it's a thrilling experience. I drove down from that vision uh, down to Esalen the next day, and all I could see was protoplasm <laughs> in various <laughs> forms. Protoplasm in the form of cows eating protoplasm in the form of grass. And you get that sense of the life eating life and the whole thing. And that it's a, unless you're attached to being a blade of grass, it's quite a wonderful affair. So the comic aspect it gives you a perspective on something that is awesome. Sex and death are the two comedies. Mond gives this point in the Magic Mountain when Hans gets up there. This is the place of people who are going to die. They all were dying of consumption, and this was a sanitarium for this kind of thing. And <clears throat> there were certain people who were called one-lungers who had had a punctured lung, and they could whistle through the puncture lewdly. I'm going to, when it gets dark, uh, bring that uh, Picasso yeah. in, in his uh, sequence of his yeah. uh, paintings. I have a, I've got more than I'm going to show uh, the, that whole fantastic exhibit uh, that just gives you the picture of the development of a man's life who was not afraid. When he was uh, 13 or 14 years old, he painted a picture as a student in the academy which was of uh, world class, you might say. Mm -hmm. And his father, who uh, was a painter, just put his own paintbrush on the shelf and never painted again. So uh, here's a boy who, at the age of 12, killed his father and uh, had no fear of critics from then on. Uh, he just uh, absolutely did what the lyric of his life told him to do. and. Uh, it's something to see. I think you'll, you'll, you'll see something here. And you can see then, after the Guernica, uh, he's a pretty old man then, he's in his 80s, uh, he, um, the whole thing changes. It was a fantastic transformation. I remember when we went, uh, we saw the exhibit twice, Jean and I, the first time when uh, she, she was ahead of me, and she came out of the room with some of these old age things. She said, Joe, don't go in there. The whole exhibit falls apart. 
just to see the underside of the rug, you know. But then you can look at it again. We went back, and they had real power and interest in a playful way, like talking about the death. Uh, it's a virtuosic manipulation of figures and absolute competence with what, with what he's doing with his brush. Um, the, the whole thing has to do with a veneration and a meditation on the life that has here been terminated. This is the knot at the end of the cord. And, uh, and then the committing of it uh, to, to Mother Earth. The tomb is the womb for rebirth. But the rebirth now is to be just the spiritual life rather than the reincarnation thing. So there, a thing like this has to have ceremonial around it. Um, very early in the human condition, as far as we can tell from bits of archaeological evidence, uh, death was treated in, in this way, ceremonially. It enabled the individual to, uh, what's, what can we say, Encom encompass it in terms of an affirmation of life. And, uh, and that's what it's all about. And whether the body is, is cremated or buried, the ceremonial associated with it is the significant thing. I have given a lecture on the uh, emergence of, of ritual. And um, I have a picture of a, of a mother uh, chimpanzee whose, whose tiny little infant had just died of uh, a polio. There was a polio plague went through uh, Jane Goodall's uh, little flock. And, and this poor creature with her, her little child gone, she not knowing what it was, just carried it around until it began to stink. And then she throw, puts it over her shoulder, goes off into the bushes, and comes back without it. Uh, the, the picture of that human-like animal with this little creature, and she didn't know what had happened, nothing could be done to compensate for this or even let her conceive of what its relationship was to what she had had before it died. And then you contrast with that the early rituals of very simple people. The body is painted with protective coloring. It's pandanus leaves are put on it and so forth. And the husband or wife goes into a mourning um, ritual system, cuts the hair or does something else. And, uh, and this enables the individual to integrate the death in, in the life system. When you see an animal that doesn't, knows it's dead and doesn't know what's happened and all that, it, you see what the human being would be also without something like this to enable him to assimilate it to life. Ritual is a means for assimilating energies into a living system.